0: Do you know how to recognize a cult? Are you aware of their distinctive characteristics? Did you know that Jesus said one of the signs that would point to His soon return would be a proliferation of cults and false prophets? For a powerful and insightful presentation concerning the cults, please stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy. Greetings, in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. For the past few weeks we have been in the process of showing you excerpts from sermons presented at our recent Bible conference, which was dedicated to the theme of spiritual apostasy in the end times. One of those presentations was entitled, The Jesus of the Cults. It was made by Dr. Ron Carlson, who is considered to be one of Christendom's leading experts on cults and world religions. Dr. Carlson is the founder and director of Christian Ministries International in Minnetonka, Minnesota. He travels constantly all over the world teaching about the cults. All Bible prophecy ministries like ours are interested in the cults. The reason is that Jesus strongly warned that cults would be one of the most important signs of the times that would point to His soon return. For example, in Matthew 24, Jesus provides an exhaustive list of end time signs. I think it's interesting And significant that the only sign he mentions more than once is the sign of cults and false prophets. And he mentions it three times. Dr. Carlson began his presentation at our conference by emphasizing the danger of the cults and their importance as a sign of the end times. He then proceeded to talk about four kinds of cults. First, pseudo-Christian cults. Second, Oriental cults. Third, New Age cults. And fourth, occult or spiritistic cults. In his first category, the pseudo-Christian cults, is the most important because it deals with groups that masquerade as Christian and can thus easily deceive people, even professing Christians. Let's listen now to what Dr. Carlson has to say about the pseudo-Christian cults.
1: What are the cults? What do you mean when you talk about a a non-Christian cult? And just quickly this afternoon, I want to talk about who the false cults are. Jesus said they were going to come in the last days. And we have today basically four categories of what we refer to as the false Christian cults. First of all, you have what are called the pseudo Christian cults. Uh, That's really the classical definition of a cult over the last 150 years. Uh, The pseudo Christian cults are organizations which will claim to be Christian, they will claim to believe the Bible. But instead of building their theology from God's Word, these organizations will claim to have some new revelation or some man-made teaching which they say is greater than the Bible, through which they interpret the Bible, and they end up denying the central doctrines of historic Orthodox biblical Christianity. In the pseudo-Christian culture, you have such organizations, for example, as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, uh, known as Jehovah's Witnesses, You have uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, known as Mormonism. You have Mary Baker Eddy, founder of Christian Science. You have Some Young Moon, we saw in the first slide, founder of the Unification Church, the Moonies. And these are all organizations which will claim to be Christian. They will claim to believe the Bible. But instead of building their teaching and theology from God's Word, they'll claim to have some new revelation or some man-made teaching greater than the Bible, through which they'll interpret the Bible, and they'll end up denying the basic doctrines of historic biblical Christianity. You know, as back in 1820 that Joseph Smith, Jr., founder of Mormonism, says that he received a revelation from an angel of light that all the Christian churches were wrong, that all the teachings of Christianity were an abomination, and he, Joseph Smith, was chosen to be the voice of God, the prophet of God on earth. Then in 1879, along came a lady named Mary Baker Eddy, founder of Christian science. She said that she now had a higher, clearer, more perfect revelation than that given 1900 years before, that she alone had the keys to unlock Scripture. In that same decade, along came a man named Charles Taze Russell, founder of Jehovah's Witnesses. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, they claimed that they alone are God's voice on earth. They alone are God's organization. Everybody else is wrong. They alone speak for God. Some young moon sitting on a hillside in North Korea, Easter Sunday morning, 1936, says that he received a revelation from an angel of light that all the Christian churches were wrong. He, moon, was chosen to be the voice of God, the prophet of God on earth, and the list goes on and on and on. But what you have are organizations that claim to be Christian claim to believe the Bible, but then claim some new revelation or some man-made teaching greater than the Bible, through which they interpret the Bible and end up denying the basic doctrines of biblical Christianity. Now, what is it that deceives most people about the cults? If I were to ask you that question this afternoon, you know, what is it that deceives most people when the cults come knocking at your front door? What is it that deceives most people? Well, if you learn nothing else this afternoon, I just want you to learn this one thing. What is it that deceives most people about the cults? It is simply this. The cults will all use Christian terminology, and they will sound very Christian. But number one, in dealing with the cults, you must understand that the cults have redefined the terminology. For example, how many of you here have ever had a Jehovah's Witness knock at your front door? Just about everyone. You know, you can have a Jehovah's Witness knock at your door and ask them, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they'll say what? They'll smile and say, absolutely, yes. A lot of Christians go, oh, well, that's what I believe, too. Shut the door. But, you know, if you ask them the second question, who is Jesus Christ? They'll smile and tell you that Jesus Christ is the Archangel Michael. That he was the first creation made by Jehovah God. That he came to earth as a man and only a man and died on a stake and rose invisibly as a ghost and came back invisibly as a spirit in 1914 to Brooklyn, New York to have the Watchtower Society. I kid you not. They'll use the term Jesus Christ to make you think they're Christian. And then they'll redefine the term to fit their man-made theology. For example, in most Major cities across the United States and downtown, you'll have Christian Science Reading Rooms uh, found by Mary Baker Eddy. You know, you walk into a Christian Science Reading Room and ask them, for example, do you believe in the Trinity? And they'll smile and say, Of course, we believe in the Trinity. But if you ask them, What is the Trinity? they will tell you the Trinity is three ethical principles life, truth, and love. They'll use the Christian words to make you think they're Christian. And then they'll redefine the word to fit their man-made theology. Perhaps the worst at this are the Mormons. The Mormons who call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, two Mormon missionaries will ride up on their bicycles this summer and they'll come to your front door and they'll have white shirts on and black ties and they'll have little name tags on and they'll say, Hello, we're here from the Church of Jesus Christ. We'd like to tell you about Jesus. Boy, that sounds nice, doesn't it? In the 1980s, when my family and I were missionaries in the Philippine Islands, <clears throat> the Mormons opened a new temple in Manila. Now, Mormons build temples like this one in Manila, and you have one here in Dallas. And they build temples not as places of worship or teaching. They don't worship in their temples, they don't teach in their temples, but they build their temples in order to do secret rituals and call their endowments or ordinances. Secret rituals that Joseph Smith stole verbatim, word for word, right out of Freemasonry in the Masonic Lodge. In fact, Joseph Smith was a master mason. The Masonic Lodge was above his home in Nauvoo, Illinois. And Joseph Smith, when he started the Mormon temple rituals, he took verbatim, word for word, all the pagan rituals of Freemasonry and put them into the Mormon temple, including the pagan blood oaths that every mason takes when he joins the Masonic Lodge. You know, the first thing every mason does when he joins the Masonic Lodge. In the first initiation, every Mason is brought before an altar and he bows before an altar and behind the altar stands a man he calls the worshipful master. And every Mason will bow at that altar before a man he calls the worshipful master and he'll say, I'm lost in darkness and I need the light of Freemasonry. And then every Mason, in order to join the Masonic Lodge, will put his thumb to his throat, and he'll swear a blood oath not to reveal the secrets of masonry or he'll have his throat cut from ear to ear, his bowels ripped open, given the beasts of the field. Those same pagan blood oaths that every mason takes in order to join the Masonic Lodge, Joseph Smith put a verbatim word for word into the Mormon temple, including the secret handshakes of masonry, the secret passwords, the through the veil ceremony, and on and on. This is why Mormons are not encouraged to be masons. They don't want them to find out where they got their temple rituals from probably 90% of what goes on in the temple here in Dallas as well as Salt Lake and across the country is what is called baptisms for the dead, where Mormons believe that they can be baptized for their dead relatives in the Mormon temple and earn their salvation by proxy into the Mormon heaven. Uh, They also practice celestial marriages where they believe that if they are married in a Mormon temple that when the husband evolves to godhood, his wife will then become a mother goddess, and she will then be pregnant throughout eternity, populating her own planet in the galaxies, just as mother god populated planet Earth. Well, whenever they open a new temple, as they did a few years ago here in Dallas, they always announce that they're going to have a grand opening for two weeks for the public to go through before they close it off to the public. So I figured that I should probably be there for the... Two weeks of the grand opening and pass out tracts to everybody who came. <laughs> well, knowing the Philippines was 95% Roman Catholic at the time, uh, we put together two wonderful tracts. The first track uh, on the right, uh, I put a picture of the Virgin Mary, and I knew that would get the Catholics' attention. And it asked the question uh, was the Virgin Mary really a virgin? The Mormon Church says no. Well, it's a great track for a Catholic country, and uh, Catholics get very upset when you start messing around with the Virgin Mary. And you would open it up and read what Mormons teach about God. Uh, Mormons teach that God is a finite man of flesh and bone, married up in heaven to multiple wives. Uh, Mormons teach polytheism. They believe there are millions of gods, and every male Mormon believes he can become a god himself. I showed what they teach about Jesus Christ. Every Mormon believes that Jesus and Satan are brothers. That Jesus is simply a man who evolved to become a God. He's simply one God in a pantheon of gods. There are millions of gods. Jesus is one of them. That the blood and cross of Christ is foolishness. You know, you will never see a cross in a Mormon church. You ever notice that? You will never see a cross in a Mormon temple. In fact, Mormons hate the cross and blood of Christ so much that when Mormons take communion, they use water instead of grape juice or wine because they want no representation of the blood. They say it's all foolishness. Well, they were going to open this new temple, and so the first day I stood there between the two driveways, the entrance there, and started passing out tracts to everybody who came. Well, it wasn't long before a couple of missionaries came out and took my tracts, took them back into the temple to read what I was giving out, and pretty soon they came out and said, go away, leave us alone, Uh, we don't want you here. And I said, well, I'm going to be here for the next two weeks, passing out tracts to everybody who comes. They said, well, why are you doing this? It's not nice to attack other religions. Why are you attacking us? I said, well, please understand something. I said, I'm not here to attack you. Please know that I have a great love and compassion for Mormons as people. I said, I I care very deeply for you. I said, I just don't want you saying the Filipinos to hell with your pagan temple. Well, that didn't go for real well. And they said, well, why are you doing this? It's not nice to attack other religions. Why are you attacking us? I said, well, let's get something straight here. I said, understand that it is not I who's attacking Mormons, but understand it's your prophet Joseph Smith in the Mormon church which says in your sacred book, The Pearl of Great Price, the book Joseph Smith, chapter 2, verse 19, Joseph Smith says, quote, all the Christian churches are wrong, all the teachings of Christianity are an abomination. I said, understand it's the Mormon church today that teaches that the Trinity and the deity of Jesus Christ and the blood atonement, and salvation by faith in Christ, they say that these things are all an abomination. I said, understand it's not I who's attacking Mormons. But folks, understand it's Mormons who have declared war on Jesus Christ. And I said, it's about time that Christians stand up and defend the faith delivered once for all time, and I went back to passing out tracts. Well, pretty soon they sent out these two Mormons from Samoa. These two Samoan Mormons. I don't know if you've ever seen Samoan football players. I mean, these guys were huge. They looked like sumo wrestlers. These two Samoan Mormons came and stood on either side of me. They folded their arms, squashed me between them, and the first guy leans into me and says, listen. He says if you don't get out of here, we're going to kick your face in. I said, well, that's real loving. I said, have a track and went back passing out (laughs) tracks. Next guy leans into me and says, no, you don't understand. He says, if you don't get out of here, we're going to kill you. And they began to threaten me that if I didn't leave, they were going to make sure I didn't come back the next day. Well, shortly after this next picture was taken, I was standing on the street witnessing to seven Mormon missionaries in front of the temple. And it's 10 30 in the morning. And all of a sudden, as I'm witnessing to them, I catch out of the corner of my eye a white Toyota coming down the street about 40 miles an hour, driven by the head of the Mormon security, a man who had been threatening me all morning. And, as the head of the Mormon security approached me in the car, he violently swerved the car directly at me and tried to run me down. At the last moment, I caught him out of the corner of my eye and I jumped back up on the curb and he ended up hitting one of the Mormon missionaries I was witnessing to. Knocked him over on the grass, they had to call an ambulance. When that happened, Mormons came running out of the temple yelling and screaming at me. It was 100 degrees that day in Manila, 95% humidity, their temperatures were getting hotter than that. I'm thinking, Lord, what am I supposed to do? i got two more weeks to pass out tracts. This is just first morning. <laughs> and as I'm standing out in front of the temple, several hundred Mormon missionaries standing around me, yelling and screaming, I'm thinking, Lord, what should I do? And I thought, you know, what would the Apostle Paul do? I thought, you know, the Apostle Paul, he'd probably start preaching the cross. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, I determined to do nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said in Galatians 6, 14, "...may I never boast, but if I boast, let me boast in the cross of Jesus Christ." And I started preaching the cross. I said, where's the cross? There's no cross in Mormonism. Without the cross, there's no salvation. The head of the Mormon temple came out. He's an American fellow, about 60 years old. Started yelling and screaming at me to get out of there. I said, sir, where's the cross? There's no cross in Mormonism. Without the cross, there's no salvation. That Mormon leader from America looked at me and he started yelling these words. I'll never forget. He just started screaming. He said, the cross is foolishness. The cross is foolishness. Boy, I'll tell you, when he said those words, the Holy Spirit pricked my heart and I had in my pocket my little New Testament and I I pulled it out and I turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. I said, sir, here, I said, would you read what God's word says? I said, read it out loud, 1 Corinthians 1.18, and he began to read, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing, what? Foolishness. foolishness. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing, foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the very power of God unto salvation. And I look at that gentleman with all the love and compassion I had. And I said, sir, the Bible says you're perishing. You're perishing. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. And the Mormon leader turned around and walked back into his pagan temple. The Mormon missionaries will ride up to your front door this summer, and they'll knock on the door, and they'll go, hello. We're here from the church of Jesus Christ. We'd like to tell you about Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Beware the false prophets who come to you dressed in sheep's clothing, who outwardly look like Christians. Jesus said, They're going to call me Lord. They're going to preach in my name. They're going to say, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? And Jesus says, On the day of judgment, I'm going to tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Just because somebody says, I believe in Jesus Christ, folks, doesn't mean they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in the last days, there are going to come many false Christs. But in the brief few minutes we have left, I want to talk about this first category of the pseudo-Christian cults. Organizations that claim to be Christian, claim to believe the Bible, but then add some new revelation or man-made teaching. People often say, well, if someone claims to have a new revelation from God, as do the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or whoever, how do we know whether that is from God or not? I mean, we even have churches in America where people stand up in church and say, I have a vision, I have a prophecy, I have a revelation from God. Folks, have you ever wondered how you know whether it's from God or not? I mean, personally, I become very concerned when I see this happen in church when you realize virtually every cult began with somebody claiming to have a vision or revelation from God. How do you know whether it's from God or not? Well, it's very easy to test. You see, God has already told us in Malachi 3.6 that he is immutable, he does not change. In Hebrews 6.17 and 18, God tells us that he does not lie, he does not change, he is consistent in truth. Therefore, if someone should come along and claim to have a new revelation from God, as do the Mormons or whoever, you must always test that so-called new revelation by God's oldest revelation the Bible. And if you test that new revelation or vision or prophecy or what have you by God's Word, and it's consistent and in harmony with God's Word, then there's no problem. But if you test that revelation or vision or what have you by God's Word, and you find that it contradicts or is inconsistent at any point, You must always throw out the younger revelation, hold fast to God's oldest revelation, for God has told us He does not change, He is consistent in truth. That is why Scripture must be your authority. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture has been given by inspiration of God. It doesn't say all revelations are inspired by God. It doesn't say all visions are inspired by God. It says all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for teaching, for training in righteousness. Now, why is that so important? If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll see why. Why is it so important to test all things by God's Word? In 2 Corinthians, it's easy to find. Why is that? Right after 1 Corinthians. And we've got a sharp group here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. Paul says, But I am afraid... Lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion which is in Jesus Christ. Now, in your Bible, you might underline the word minds. Just underline the word minds there. Understand that Paul here is writing to Christians. Okay? He's writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, I'm afraid for you Christians, lest your minds be led astray from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. You say, well, how could the Christian's mind be led astray? Look at verse 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. You might underline that in your Bible. Paul says there is another Jesus, a counterfeit. Or if you receive a different spirit. You might underline that in your Bible. Paul says there is a different spirit, different from the Holy Spirit, or if you receive a different gospel. You might underline that. Paul says there's another gospel, a counterfeit. I'm afraid lest you accept these. Now go down to verse 13. Verse 13 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. There's that identification again. False apostles who disguise themselves to look like Christians, verse 14. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as what? An angel of light. Folks, what sits on top of the Mormon temple here in Dallas? What sits on top of the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City? Moroni, the angel of light. Ever wonder who that angel of light is sitting on top of the Mormon temple here in Dallas? The angel of light who told Joseph Smith that all the Christian churches were wrong, all the teachings of Christianity were an abomination, and he could become a god himself. You ever wonder who that angel of light is on top of the Mormon temple in Dallas? Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. What is Paul saying here? Paul saying, I'm afraid for you Christians lest your minds be led astray, because there's going to come another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit, counterfeits, brought to you by false apostles disguising themselves to look like Christians. Now people say to me, wait a minute, Carlson, but I thought there was only one Jesus Christ. Now what you need to understand as we conclude today is that there is literally a smorgasbord of Jesus Christ being served up to the public in the last days. And who is the Jesus of the cults? The Jehovah's Witnesses, they say that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. The first creation made by Jehovah God, who came to earth as a man, died on a stake, and rose invisibly as a ghost. The Mormons, they say, well, we believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, my goodness, we got him in the name of our church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. All Mormons teach and believe that Jesus is the brother of Satan. That he's simply a man who evolved to become a god. Mormons deny the virgin birth by the Holy Spirit, teach he was born through physical incest. They teach that the blood and cross of Christ is foolishness. You will never see a cross in a Mormon church. And as I said, they dislike the cross and blood so much that when they take communion, they use water instead of grape juice or wine because they want no representation of the blood. They say it's all foolishness. Mary Baker, and, Mary Baker Eddy in Christian Science, she said that Jesus was a divine idea, a nice idea. Some Young Moon, founder of the Unification Church, he says that Jesus is a man who failed. And he, some Young Moon, is now the second coming of Jesus Christ to complete the unfinished task of salvation. The Baha'i, they say that Jesus is one of nine great world manifestations. They say it doesn't matter what religion you believe, all religions are basically the same. We talked about that last night. The Unitarian Universalists, they say that Jesus was a good man, his followers mistakenly deified. The Freemasons in the Masonic Lodge, they say that Jesus was nothing more than a good moral teacher. According to Masons, he's no different from Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or Zaaster. The Spiritists, they say that Jesus was an advanced medium in the sixth sphere of the astrological projection. Wherever that is. Unity in Lee Summit, Missouri, they say that Jesus was a man who perfected the divine idea. Rosicrucians, they say that Jesus is a manifestation of cosmic consciousness. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in Fairfield, Iowa at the Maharishi University, they say that Jesus was an enlightened guru who never suffered or died for anybody. And the list goes on and on and on. But what you need to understand as we conclude today, folks, is that the Jesus of the cults is not the Jesus of the Bible.
0: You have been watching a presentation by Dr. Ron Carlson of Christian Ministries International. In just a moment our announcer will tell you how you can get a video copy of this presentation and four others that were made at our annual Bible conference. Well folks, that's our program for this week. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
1: The presentation you have just seen by Ron Carlson is included in a video album entitled Spiritual Apostasy in the End Times. It is one of five sermons on two DVDs. This conference album can be yours for a gift of $20 or more plus shipping. Also included in this album is a second presentation by Ron Carlson titled, Are There Many Roads to God? Mike Gendron speaks on the Bible-driven church. Robert Jeffers preaches on absolute truth. And Dave Reagan identifies apostasy in the end times. This hard-hitting album could be yours for a gift of $20 or more, plus shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen and ask for the conference album. Or order online at lamblion.com.